Bokar Tov. I'm recording this in private because unfortunately our first recording did not save on my phone. I'm just going to summarize the key points of our classroom today. We opened up with two insights from Moshe Kohanim. He sent me a couple of very fascinating insights. The first one was that there's something about Yehuda in the story of Yehuda and Tamar that's odd in that we don't see any reaction from Yehuda to the death of his sons. Very strange. Yehuda is oddly silent with all of the suffering that befalls him. And what Moshe Kohanim was pointing out, he said that perhaps Yehuda is so filled with guilt over his part in selling Yosef that he, also, he almost knows that he deserves the death of his children, that he almost feels like this is cleansing his guilt. And for that reason, he's not really complaining. We actually see a similar thing with David HaMelech. After David committed the sin with Bathsheba, you, if, if you look at the stories after his sin with Bathsheba, David also seems to appreciate the, the punishment that he's getting, and he takes it knowing that he almost deserves the punishment. It's almost like they're, they're wiping away guilt that he feels, and he's almost happy to accept the punishment. This may be something that David learned from his ancestor Yehuda, who in response to the difficulty also kept silent. Maybe because he was so awash with guilt that he needed to accept the punishment in order to make himself feel better over the actions that he did. Then Moshe put, sent another very, very interesting analysis and he said that when Yosef requested of the butler to mention his name to Paro, it is interesting that the Midrash says that what Yosef did was inappropriate. That what Yosef did by asking the butler to help him get out of Paro's, get out of the dungeon by the help of Paro, the Midrash says that that was a lack of emunah, it was a lack of faith. And Moshe said, that's unfair to Yosef, because after all, he was at the only doing what was so reasonable for a person to do, which is to ask for a favor to help him get out of jail. How else would he have been able to get out of jail? So Moshe said, pointed out, is that people are understanding the whole situation wrong. It's not that what Yosef did was actually inappropriate. It was that God did not want the butler to be the product and the, the byproduct of Yosef's freedom or the source of Yosef's freedom because if the butler was the source of Yosef's freedom, Yosef would have never learned that God is in control of all of the actions and the behaviors, that God is in control of all of the events that are happening to Yosef. We saw in last, at the end of last week's parasha, we pointed out that Yosef is, on a, is, is learning about God's control over everything throughout all of his difficulty. And for, if God would have let the butler be the one responsible for getting Yosef out, it would have been a, uh, it would have caused Yosef to not get the proper education that he, that God wanted him to get. God wanted him to learn that God is at the end of the day responsible for all of his, all of the things that are occurring to him. And if Yosef would have been released by the butler, Yosef may not have gotten the message. So the, the vantage point that we should be taking when looking at the story is not that Yosef did something wrong, but that God did not want Yosef to be let out by the butler so that he can educate him better. So those were the two insights that I thought were very important. 
And then we went through the story of Yosef and his interpretation of Paro's dreams. Um, what we pointed out about his interpretations are that Yosef, uh, the, the, the problem with the Paro's dreams is that Paro knows that his dreams are bad. So many of the other interpreters may have been standing there afraid to interpret things for Paro because if they would have interpreted things as good, then he, they wouldn't have been believed. But if they would have interpreted things as bad, then Paro may have, may have killed them. So what Yosef does, which is brilliant, is that when he interprets the dreams, he interprets them as being bad, but then he shows that while the dreams are bad, the consequences of the dream could be very good. And he points out, without letting Paro interrupt him, he points out all of the things that Paro could do to amass greater power. Um, Yosef's vision for how Yosef, that Paro is going to succeed in all this is that through the use of cities, through the gathering of the grain into the cities, Paro is going to be able to have control over all of the food that's in the land of Egypt under his own hand. And once he gets all of the food under his own hand, he will obviously be able to turn around and sell it to the other people. And all of this is done by his ability to control what happens in the cities. Again, Yosef says that all of the food should be stored in a select few cities, which are obviously much easier to manage. And then once Paro has all the food in those cities, he will save them for the remaining years of the famine. Uh, so that was Yosef's interpretation and his brilliance was that he took a negative dream. He, he was eminently believable because he wasn't sugarcoating anything, but it was a great uh, thing for him to exhibit because he was, because uh, it made Paro happy that there was a solution to everything and gave Paro the ability to take the bad news and turn it into something good. And then after Yosef tells us to Paro, uh, Paro does turn Yosef into the second in command of Egypt. And there was one point that I read from the Hertzchumash, which talks about the fact that Paro put on Yosef the Ravid HaZahav, which was the golden necklace. And we pointed out that there is a discussion in modern scholarship and definitely amongst the less religious readers of the text that they, they believe, obviously, the, the less the non-religious readers of the text or the, the academic readers of the text believe that the Torah was written probably in the times of Ezra HaSofer, which was early Second Temple era. And because of that, they say that all of the cultural uh, um, mentions that are made in the Torah, anything that the Torah describes should represent the culture of either Babylon, which is where Ezra HaSofer came from, or the early Second Temple Israel, uh, early Second Temple era in Israel, which is again where Ezra was. Now, that's problematic. Obviously, uh, we don't believe that's true because we believe that the Torah was written a lot earlier, and in our eyes, the Torah should have influence from Egyptian culture. Because if the Jews are a product of the Egyptian bondage and they received the Torah upon leaving Egypt, then it should accurately depict the culture in Egypt. And if it does accurately depict the culture in Egypt, then we know that the academics who say that it was written in the time of Ezra are wrong and that the Torah can properly be dated at a much earlier period in the time of the Egyptians. So what's interesting is that when Paro gives Yosef the golden necklace, I'm going to read for you the, the note in the Hertzkumash, which points out, points out something very important here. It says, a gold chain, the gold collar appertaining to the office of Grand Vizier. This is another instance of the remarkable historical exactness of the Yosef narrative. 
No ancient civilization was more distinct and unique than that of Egypt. Her customs, her language, and her system of writing were shared by no other people, and yet at every point, their narrative reveals a thorough familiarity with Egyptian life. Peculiar Egyptian customs are also reflected in the stories, as for example, the giving of the much-prized golden collar, which was bestowed upon a public servant for distinguished achievement. Meaning this golden collar that Paro gives to Yosef is a very typical Egyptian garb and was recognizable to anybody who was familiar with Egyptian culture. So the fact that the Torah catches on to this and recognizes this and knows is so familiar with Egyptian culture obviously points to the fact that the Torah is a byproduct of uh, uh, some people who are aware of what is part of that culture and obviously lends to the authenticity of the Torah against the academic understanding of things. Tomorrow, uh, we will continue with the, the plan of Yosef being put into action and what happens when Yosef meets his brothers. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.